I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. folks welcome back to another episode of ginger and dutch here on the ginger and dutch podcast recording tuesday march 23rd fresh off a weekend of march madness brackets nba approaches the trade deadline nhl in the midst of it dutch come on in what do you say i'm uh, i'm definitely not basketball out i i couldn't get enough of it although although you know last night's uh ending was a little bit of a drag but what a what a just a phenomenal start to uh our favorite tournament of the year i'm i'm pumped i'm pumped still pumped i'm still can't get enough of it well i'm i'm gonna ask you is it next weekend already because uh i am i'm the same as you i couldn't get enough of it yesterday was a little bit uh you know there was not much madness happening yesterday in terms of the uh you know the the closeness of the games and and the upsets the big boys kind of came to play today and settled or yesterday and to, in my mind, settled the tournament down. But uh, let's get into another jam-packed show tonight. We got rapid fire back, so we're going to talk a little March Madness, NHL, our PGA Tour picks. We're going to talk NBA trade deadline, who's the GOAT, top five current NBA players, and then we'll bring old boy in to finish up with our uh, MLB season preview, talking AL and NL Central on this week's episode of Ginger and Dutch. Love it, buddy. Love it. Let's rock. All right. Well, let's kick it off. March Madness is what everybody's talking about. Lots of brackets have been busted. The likes of Purdue, Iowa, uh, Ohio State. Uh, the Big Ten's been absolutely decimated. I know your brackets are still hanging in there. I know you had Illinois on one, but I know a couple of your brackets are still hanging alive here. So uh, talk to us about what you liked, didn't like about the uh, the tournament and uh, how wow. the Sweet 16 shaping up. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty excited that for the first time in a long time uh, going into the Sweet 16, I, I still have two brackets of my, uh, so I'm right there in it. But let me just start by saying, and I know you're going to argue with it, but um, as much as we we texted back and forth all weekend long about, man, I just love this, this is the best thing going and everything, but the, the rankings and the seedings, at least for this year, are completely broken. And and maybe the fans had had something to say about with with not the big crowds, and maybe these underdogs have a better chance. I'm not sure, but clearly they need to figure out the rankings. And let's just let's just start right from the top here. You got four of the top ten teams in the country are out. Ten more in the top twenty five are out. You said it. Illinois number one out. Number twos Iowa, Ohio State out. Number threes, Texas, West Virginia, Kansas, all out. And number fours, Virginia, Purdue, Oklahoma State, out. Tell me what's wrong. And you can, I know you're going to argue back, well, you know, I think it's still there. Yeah, sure, there's still some teams there, but boy, oh boy, was this a disaster right from the start. You said it with uh, with uh, the Big Ten as well and where they're at. Obviously, there's a couple other uh, big uh, big three conferences that, that had a terrible run. Um, that's the way I see it. I, I think there's, they need to start looking outside. We've got over 290 division one schools, Ginge. And I know some of them will never, ever step foot out on that court, but come on, figure it out here. That, that just doesn't seem right to me that all these teams are out. And some of them were out in the first round too, by the way. Listen, 
we we talked about this off air, right? We we said from from seven to twenty five, throw them all in a basket and pull them all out. That's how close it was this year. We we. You know, and I know you. When we talked about it, we we kind of backed off about you know, is it going to be chalk? Is it not? And, and leading up to this thing, we we thought this was was going to be madness because we knew after following it all season long, how close this was, right? And and yep. and how close these teams are. And this is this is the point that 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 me and you talked about is 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 it truly is Iowa losing to Oregon? Is that really an upset on a on a neutral court? The seeds would tell you so that a two versus a seven, and oh wow, that's that's big. That's a big upset. But when you really truly break it down, and when you look at how Iowa's playing, and and let's kind of work through it together here, Dutch. Iowa's what probably six, uh, somewhere between six and ten in the country. Would you give or say, according to the ranking, six to twelve? Maybe if you didn't like them, right? Yeah, and, and yeah, and hold that thought because I I, I get it with the the the. the the seedings and everything like you know you're going to talk about uh Loyola and, and you how you you had predicted them and and let's face it they're ranked 17th in the country maybe they got that one right because if you do the math 17th in the country you start breaking down the teams in the four brackets that would would should could have arguably put them as like a three four five seed not a an eight seed that right. they are so I I understand your logic there but I'm talking the rankings of the the top 25 schools was a disaster this year because there's 14 of them that are already gone and out the door. And I'd argue there'd be more if they didn't all play because some of them played each other. Yeah, but but if you take that top 25 and, and you take the sweet, sweet 16, there's still a, a 10 or 11 teams, give or take. You, you know, I'm going to give or take some of the rankings here um, on how you look at it. But there's still 10 or 11 of those top 25 teams that are now in your sweet 16. Right, because, because they've they've – have the right to go there for some reason because of their rankings. And, and so some of them have played each other, like, a you know, uh, Colorado just lost to, a, obviously um, I'm lost my train of thought on who they uh, just lost to. Yeah. They did, but Florida but state they, late. Yeah. Late last night. That was one of yeah, the, yeah. Right. So, so, and, and Colorado was in the top 25. So you start breaking down some of these teams. I'm just saying, what I'm saying is, 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 Everybody gets all excited about a 15 seed, blah, 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 winning. Okay, I get that. But I'd like to see some of these other schools again, like some more of these schools. And I know you can go and say, well, look at what Zaga did and look at what these teams did. And, you know, there's some blowouts. But I don't know. Maybe there's just some more in there that can do that. But I know it all comes down to a money thing and it comes down to all the big players and who people want to watch. But I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to start to see some some more teams in there and not just focus solely on these rankings on how it lays out that's just my opinion on it but there's some great teams left uh, you know give me a couple kind of underdogs that that you like and i know you're gonna go with um syracuse although um and then they 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 could make a run because they i think they got uh houston coming up next um and ucla they're putting their program back on uh, on the map they've uh, they look real good right now and you know what else looks good is uh, is creighton although they didn't have a, a a tough two two game draw but who do you like out of these besides obviously we know zags the zags are the class of the tournament but you like anybody else um that that can make a run to the final four now well listen i'm, I'm gonna you touched on a couple here and i'm gonna kind of break it down bracket by bracket what a matchup with 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 Creighton and, and Gonzaga, and I'll kind of try to rapid fire this as quick as possible. Zagorowski, yep. probably one of the best guards in the country, against a phenomenal deep Gonzaga backcourt. You gotta love it. 
I like either USC or Oregon to give Gonzaga. I, I see Gonzaga moving on there. I just don't see Creighton having enough to get to beat the Zags. But I do like those Oregon Ducks to beat USC and give Gonzaga fits. They're, they're crashers. They're bangers. The big boy from Rexdale inside, like the two Canadians for Oregon, were dominant against Iowa, and I think they're going to give Gonzaga fits. I, I like Oregon as a possible upset. I think Florida State can go toe-to-toe with Michigan, another team that's that's quietly deep. And, hey, you you, you talked about them in, the, in our little uh, bracket preview. Nate Oates and the rolling tide. This is not football, Dutch. The Alabama roll tide are ranked two, and they're just sitting at the bottom of that bracket. And I think they've got a great shot down there to to beat. I, I know you touched on UCLA, but I think I think they got a great shot to come out of that bracket period and make it to the final four. Yeah, and I agree there. And 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 you know the other team that I I, I wanted to throw out there because you knew I'd like them earlier. And, and don't sleep on them. Not a lot of uh, pizzazz per se with the team, but but um, I talked about it last week, and that's the Razorbacks, yep. Arkansas. I, I I just like where they're sitting right now, and uh, you know. Could be an Arkansas Baylor matchup to go to the Final Four. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm that's the team I'm cheering for kind of right now. Yeah, and I guess you know what my kind of point was is that you know Sunday Mondays to me settled the tournament down. You know when you when you finally looked at it, um, you know you you end up with true really two true Cinderellas in the fact of you got Oral Roberts and to me Oregon State's still a Cinderella. Uh, they got they had no business even being in this tournament leading up to the Pac-12 tournament. Um, Houston's not a Cinderella team. They've been on the map, Gonzaga. So you're, you're really left with the Oral Roberts and Oregon State. I don't throw Syracuse or UCLA because just of the conferences that they're in and the fact that, like you said, they're two well-known programs that have had success in this tournament in the last four to six years. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. But I do like what you said there with, uh, with Arkansas ended up uh, playing uh, – probably Baylor. I don't see Villanova having enough with, with them missing their, uh, their best player. And it always seems to happen that way that, you know, this is the round where the, the Cinderella's kind of disappear and we get to the nitty gritty and the big boys kind of shine because Arkansas is going to have a full week now here to prepare for Oral Roberts. There'll be no surprises. And yeah. uh, I think, I think you'll see Baylor, Arkansas. I think Houston's got a shot to beat Houston in that, in that bracket, in the Midwest bracket. And yeah. I do like Li- Liola. I, just didn't have the balls to stay on him, Dutch. I backed off on last week's podcast. I yep. should have stayed on him. I told you the night before that they had a shot to beat Illinois when I watched him play on Friday. Um, I like Houston as, a, as an underdog. They're a live dog against Houston. But I like Loyola coming out of that bracket now in the yep. Midwest. Yeah. Well, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait. To, uh, and, and I didn't mind the, the, the change in date and the format. I, I actually uh, enjoyed a little uh, Monday night basketball, which was, uh, which was nice. Yeah, and, and buckle up this weekend. It's uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back-to-back. Yep. To back, so you'll have a little Monday, Tuesday as well. It'll yeah, be, I gonna, guess, uh, the Elite Eight happening on Monday, Tuesday night. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Can't wait. Well, Dutch, I'm going to wind you back here. We're going to flip over now to the NHL, and I'm going to wind you back one almost exactly one month to the date. And me and you were on this podcast, and we had a great interview with Matt Vensel from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we were talking contenders and pretenders. And I'm going to dial you back here to your, first off, your contenders. You had the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And your pretenders, you had the Carolina Hurricanes and the Chicago Blackhawks. 
one month later, how do you how are you feeling about those picks now? Where do you see the, the NHL? Where are we at? Um, by the way, Austin Matthews has fallen all the way to ninth in scoring, so he's still not a top five forward. But, but <laughs> <laughs> you had to throw that in there, right? Hey? Uh, yeah. But how 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 you feel? First off, how you feeling about your contenders and pretenders? And I'll tell you how I'm feeling about mine. Well, listen, Carolina just won't go go away. Although uh, yep. you know, uh, obviously Tampa Bay's uh, the class of that uh, division in the Central, and they're they're really showing poise there. Um, I, I'm happy with where where I exactly where I said Chicago was. They're falling out just as exactly as I said they would. But um, when you start to go down to Boston, yeah, they're 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 struggling, but. Hey, listen, they've had some injuries. Um, I'm, I'm not suggesting maybe that, that they, they've kind of fallen down there, but the surprise for me has been Pittsburgh. Uh, the Penguins, they just keep rolling uh, in that division. And, and the other thing is, is, the, is the New York Islanders. Barry Trotz has got that team rolling. you got to love their combination with Varlamov and um, uh, Sor- I should say uh, Sorokin is the, uh, the other goalie. And those guys are playing, you know, they're almost rotating 50-50, and he's just got them dialed in. So, as far as the teams that I picked and, and that it's, I'm kind of, I'm feeling okay about it. Um, you know, if you want to talk Toronto Maple Leafs, so I'm not feeling so okay about that. Um, you know, but we... Boston's, Boston's got some games in hand still, so they're not completely, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rip you, rip you a new one on that because they've got, three, yeah, they still four got games four games. Yeah. They got four and five games in hand based yeah. on who they're playing. So, so you're right. They're right in the thick of things there. Uh, Philly kind of fell off the the wagon, and they're they've been a, a disappointment in the last month for sure. Um, Montreal, we know that Montreal's sliding, and they're going to slide right out of it because uh, you, you've got Vancouver and Calgary making a a bit of a, a run here. Although Vancouver's played a ton more games, so who knows what'll happen there? Calgary might be the team that slides into that fourth place division. But you you, uh, you got something to say about Toronto, right? You you you're just you're not you're not feeling it. I mean. Maybe they solidify their goaltending with uh, with Mr. Campbell. Uh, there'll be some those, there'll be some arguments with that for sure down the road. But what's your thoughts? Yeah, you know what? Um, you're you're right. How could you not have a, a goaltending argument at this point? Like they've got a goaltending uh, dilemma on their hands now. Like Jack Campbell's got to go in net for them. He he earned it with that shutout. Um, it's the classic situation. The team seems to play better in front of one goalie than the other. I'm not. I'm not giving a full pass on Anderson. Trust me, I'm not. Um, he he is part of the issue and and part of the problem. And and the other night there, he was the reason why they lost four to three. Um, but they've got to figure it out and figure it out fast because in my mind, you know, you start to add them up, and you got Tampa, Vegas, Colorado, your Islanders that you talked about, Carolina that you talked about, you know, the Florida Panthers, who I yeah. warned everybody about. Barkov and Huberdo and this this good D, um, you know uh, Washington's still there. If you want to put Winnipeg on there as well, like there's teams that are starting to pile ahead of the Leafs. And when we talked one month ago, you know we had the Leafs in the top three in the league, and to me they're clearly not in that situation anymore. Um, you start to include teams like Edmonton, Minnesota, and Boston, who's got some games in hand, like you said, that's hanging around. This is a fringe top ten team in the NHL. You know, I'll slide them in at if we're ranking them right here on March twenty third, twenty twenty one. I'll slide them in at uh, seven or eight right now. But you know, you give it another week and they lose a couple more games, and you can't even have them in the top ten. I I want to argue, but I can't. I, I want to argue, but I can't. I I I I think you're right. I mean, there is something to be said about. Games in hand, you know, our, our games in hand, uh, you still have to win those games. But 
you you are right when you start to look at the lineup and look at where we were. If we went way back to our predictions with some of these top teams, with like you said, Vegas, Colorado, um, where we had Toronto, Edmonton, um, and in every division, I think we've been bang on. I think maybe you're looking at a, a Dallas Stars team that's kind of disappeared, but again, they've got a, a you know they've got a pile of games in hand, three, four games depending on who they're playing against. So they could find themselves right in around that fourth place uh, division. But I can't argue. I, I, I think Toronto has to put together a, a string um, of, of wins here in order to get themselves back to that. Hey, wait a minute. They're, uh, they're a top contender because we already know that we don't think that that division in the north um, with the All-Canadian division, that that's not the top division. I'd argue that it might be three, if not four, as far as overall division. So um, the only good thing they got is, 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 you know, maybe they can win a playoff series um, and, and put a little bit of confidence behind them and, and see if they can make a deep run here. Dutch, if, if you're coaching this squad, who, who are you going with in the pipes? Who are you going with in between the pipes for, for the last uh, home stretch here? Oh, no doubt you gotta go. You gotta give Campbell a go. You gotta give him a go, and you gotta give him a go in back-to-back nights. You gotta, you gotta go three, four in a row. Listen, he's he's back-to-back. I think it's back-to-back shutouts. He's playing uh, solid. I mean, look at the way he's playing too. He's stealing a couple of those saves, just like we keep saying about Freddie. I know it's hard to put somebody on the on the bench who's who's been your guy and 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 who's who's got the money in there, but. At the end of the day, you got to go with what's winning. Just like what they were thinking of doing uh, when they made the big change in Montreal and where they're going to go with Allen or where they're going to go with um, Carey Price. In this instance, listen, Freddie, Freddie hasn't, hasn't proved uh, in playoff stuff, so why not give this guy? Look, at you talked to me about Anthony Emmy and Crawford and all these guys back in the day when they won a cup, and now where are they? Well, maybe, maybe it's Campbell. Maybe this is his time. Maybe, this, maybe he's found something and this kid's going to shine. No doubt in my mind, Sheldon Keith's got to ride this guy and ride him until he just starts to go backwards. Yeah, you might be right. It could be, a, you know, another Matt Murray um, type of situation where you just find the hot goalie and you ride him all the way through the playoffs and, and maybe he provides him that magic and um, that would shove Freddie out the door in the offseason, no doubt, if they win a round and especially two, um, that they would probably end up uh, turning to this kid full time. So it'll be interesting to see. You mentioned, you mentioned looking for a winner. Dutch? Let's flip over to golf now and look for a winner. Um, not even going to talk about our picks last week. Three of them, uh, by the time uh, Thursday morning rolled around, three of our picks were either withdrawn or hurt. So, um, and, and I know you slid in a winner in replacement of Burger, but um, not much to talk about there for the Honda Classic. Good. It was an okay tournament. Um, the golf course was solid as it always was. Uh, good little bear trap. But uh, let's move on to the WGC Austin Country Club fun golf course great event we're talking brackets this week we got brackets on the pga tour let's talk about it yeah and if it wasn't for uh, just real quickly back it wasn't for for matt jones uh it, it would have been a real solid finish because there was a bunch of guys there that were just hanging around in that you know t2 t3 spot so and yeah our picks stunk so there's really no uh no point to talk about it um i love this format um you clearly see why they did it um, I'm not necessarily sold on the way the round robin is, but I love match play is what I wanted to kind of come at. Um, it's too bad. Like, you know, they, they set this around the, the March Madness and they're trying to get the brackets in. Now you can fill out the brackets and on PGA tour.com. And it just obviously doesn't have any traction compared to all the other sports, but it is fun. I love match play. 
Uh, I love the golf course, and, I, and I'm really pumped to, to see what's going on. Do you want to start with your picks? I, I got three. And, you know, it's hard to pick a dark horse in this one, but I, I have a I have a dark horse who's not necessarily a dark horse, but uh, I'll get to it. You want to go yeah, first? Yeah, it, you mentioned the golf course, too. A couple quick points. Old, one of the oldest golf clubs uh, courses in Texas, uh, founded in 1899. It's a private club. Um, we always want to give our listeners uh, kind of the rating and the and the slope of the golf course to give them give them a good feel. So we're continuing on the the tough track in our lead up to Augusta, seventy five two on the rating, one fifty two slope. So it's been uh, very similar to what we've seen um, over the last three four weeks with that Florida stretch um, with those golf courses, and um, and it's a nice setup for how Augusta traditionally sets up here in the next uh, two, two and a half weeks as we move forward to uh, the, the run to the Masters and the lead up to the Masters. So, um, like you said, great golf course, great match play golf course, couple reachable par fives, drivable par fours with water down the left, tons of trouble, tons of risk reward. So um, a fun tournament to watch. We'll start from the bottom now we hear. We're going to start with my dark horse, and I know I think you've got somebody in the same uh, round-robin division as, as my dark horse, so it'll be interesting to see here. But made it out of the, uh, the group division into the round of 16 in 2017. He was in uh, runner-up in the finals in 2018 at 100-1. to How could you not take the lefty Bubba Watson? I'm taking Bubba Watson. 100 to 1, man. That's awesome. He's 100 to 1. I love 100 it. 100 <laughs> to 1 for Bubba Watson? Sure. Why not? For a guy who's showing in 17 and 18, we didn't have a tournament. It was uh, We had COVID last year, so uh, the most recent one was the same as last week, 2019. So I'll take Bubba at 100 to 1. He's in the in the uh, same round robin division as uh, Patrick Reed, Joaquin Nyman, and uh, I'm not even going to pronounce the last name. You seem to have it down pat. I still got to get my practice in. There we go. Uh, my rock steady pick of the week. I've been wanting to take this guy for about three, four weeks now. He's 40 to 1. He's in a, in a, in a somewhat, I think he can, he can come out of this division at two and one. Um, the, the big gun will be tough with JT, but um, he's in there with Matty Kuchar and a struggling Kevin Kisner right now. You know what? He uh, lost in the, uh, the quarterfinals in 28 or sorry, 2019. He was T6 at the WGC at concession, T41 at the players. He had a tough weekend. That is Louis Oosthuizen. Louis Oosthuizen yeah. is my rock steady pick yeah. of the week. And my big – I like his match play style. I like his match play yeah. style. And my big gun in a division with Ryan Palmer and Sebastian Munoz and Shane Lowry at 14-1. to 1. He was runner-up in 2017. Um, made it to the round of 16 here in uh, two of the last three events here at Austin Country Club, and that's the big Spaniard. When I need a win, Dutch, you know who I turn to. I've gotten all three of his wins right here since we're on this podcast when he's won. I'm feeling it this week. He's getting ready for Augusta. Big the bull, John Rom. Drew the number three seed behind DJ and JT, which makes sense because he lost here in 2017. He's my rock steady pick as well, and that's Johnny Rom. Yep. Man, I wish I could. I can't switch it now, so I stuck with John Rom as well. Um, he could pull off the win here in Austin, and you are right. He's dialed in, and he might be the the the, the well. He'll be kind of co-favorite with uh, um, DJ and JT again, and maybe Bryson uh, at the Masters. So can't can't go wrong. I love your pick there, and I'm I, I got to stick with him. So I'm going with uh, Johnny Rom as well. 
Um, my steady, my steady pick comes out of that same division that you were talking to. And that's just, he's just a grinder. And, and, you know, we've taken him before, like him or not. He's got the two young comers, like you said, the young up and comers and Neiman and Christian Bazun height. Um, it's Patrick Reed. He just, he just loves this shit. And it's, it's a, it's a match play, uh, extravaganza for him. And I just really think he can get out of there. Bubba might be a challenge for him, but I think he gets out of that division, takes advantage of the kids and, uh, teaches them a little lesson and might make a deep run here. My dark horse, he's not crazy dark horse. Um, but in the, the way it's set up in this match play, he's at 40 to one, 38 to one, uh, is what I just saw him at. But when I did this, uh, earlier, he was at 40 to one. It's simple. He's playing well right now. He's made it out of the round robin here the last two years. I like his matchups. He's very familiar with Terrell Hatton. He's very familiar with Mr. Lee Westwood, who I think is just going to be tired from all the golf that he's been playing. And he's familiar with Matty Wallace, and that's the other Spaniard. And he plays a ton in Texas. He's actually a part-time resident down there, and that's Sergio Garcia. Yeah, I like it. He's my pick. He's my pick at 41, buddy. So let's hopefully we can get a winner here for our guys because uh, um, it's two weeks now where we've kind of not necessary. Last week we were terrible. The week before we struggled, but we managed to sneak one in there. So uh, let's hope we can pull something out. Yeah, and Sergio, Sergio's like Reed. I like those picks because you pick guys that, that Sergio's a match play fiend. He just he just lives for it, right? And it just he loves the one-on-one, the mano-a-mano stuff. And, and uh, he, you know he always answers the bell when he needs a big shot. So I, I like Sergio. I like Reed, and I like Rama. I, I think you're uh, you're shaping up nicely for a good weekend and to get us back on the uh, the cash train here. You got it, brother. All right. Before we uh, before we go to break and and uh, come back with our little MLB preview, let's finish up. We'd be reminisced if we didn't talk about the NBA and the upcoming trade deadline. Forty eight hours from now. The Toronto Raptors, Kyle Lowry, what's going to happen? Buyers, sellers. Um, it's interesting here. There's there's a lot of a lot going on. There's a lot of pieces that could move here, but I'm just kind of getting the feeling that this might just be a quieter deadline. I know people are fiending and looking for the, the big, sexy trades, but I just don't know if it's going to happen, Dutch. Yeah, I mean, the only team I really think that might make a splash is because they're they're trying to make a little push here, and that's the Denver Nuggets. You're you're right. There's not going to be too too much going on. The latest rumor I've heard um, to skip back to Lowry would be, um, and I know Michael Grange reported on it, and and that's and that's a possibility of going back to Miami and and uh, getting a Tyler Hero in a in a trade. So that seems to be a hot topic right now. Um, the 76ers are still uh, in there looking for a trade and, and they're willing to give up a, a, a solid rookie in there. Um, but it's the Nuggets. You, you got they're, they're in the hunt huge for probably the number one trade prospect right now, which would be Aaron Gordon. And then uh, just most recently, it, it sounds like they're, um, they're, they're looking at Harrison Barnes to try and fill a, fill a gap there as well. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. And there's some, there's some good pieces like, you know, you start to, to run down, and, and I'm looking at, you know, start with the East, and, and you've got your buyers, and what are the Knicks going to do? You know, they, they've got two good young core pieces. Do they go out and try to get um, a Victor Oladipo, a Malcolm Brogdon, uh, a Bradley Beal, and, and what do you give up in return for that? Um, so it'll be interesting to see, or do they just stay patient, kind of like what the Hawks, I think, are going to do. Um, we're staying patient and just continue to build and, and be there. And then you touched on it with the heat. 
Um, I think the Heat are going to make a move. Is it for Lowry? If it's not for Lowry, could it be for another one of those pieces, uh, Alonzo Ball or uh, Aldrich from the Spurs? So that'll be interesting to see. Your sellers, obviously, in, in the East, I think have to be the Raptors. I think you've got to monetize some of these pieces, in, i.e. Norm and, uh, and Lowry. I think the Pacers. I think the Pacers got Brogdon. I think they've got to be a seller. And the Cavaliers, uh, uh, you know, they don't have much, but they do have some. Drummond's still there for for those looking for a big man. Um, he could be helpful. So I think in, in the east side, those are the teams on the buyers and sellers side. The buyers? Yeah, the Knicks, the, 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 uh, before you get to the west there, the, the, you know, the Knicks are, will do something silly. I, I, I don't think they should. I, I, I agree on that, and I just don't think that it makes sense. But that's just not the New York Knicks style. They're going to probably go after somebody. And you know, go back to the Heat. They're in a, in a win-now mode right now, so you know they're going to make a run. And going back to Malcolm Brogdon and, and Oladipo, sure. Sure. Whoever wants to take a that's that you're not turning into a championship team from these two guys. Bradley Beal, okay, you know that guy can fill the bucket, but again, he's a he's just like a Westbrook, and to me, again, I just don't see a winning winning formula with that. I think you need to have a little bit of a piece, like a you know, a Lowry's a, on on an amazing piece of the puzzle for a team, maybe like a Miami and or or Norm Powell. You know, you want to get rid of a Norm Powell to the Knicks? Well, oh yeah. I don't know. What's that going to do for you? That is that going to squeeze you into the sixth, seventh place, and 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 you 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 you're one and done in the playoffs. Like, I, I'm just not sure it's there. But tell me what you think about the West. Yeah, uh, to, to tie a bow, and I agree with you. I think those the, the Knicks and the and the Hawks specifically, they've got to play the long game in this. They've started to, sure. to turn these organizations around. They've been laughing stocks for the last six to ten, fifteen years. In the in case of the Knicks here, but. Um, They've got to play the long game. Be patient. You started to build it. Continue to build it through the draft. Wait until free agency. Wait until another time to uh, try to make your mark. Don't uh, don't jump the gun here at the deadline. The West side, you nailed the one team. It's it's those top four teams, other than the Lakers. You know what are the, what are the yeah. Jazz going to do? Are the Suns going to try to add another piece? Um, you know, are they going to try to add an Aldridge or a Drummond to help out Aiton if he gets in foul trouble and to have that that swing big or that bench big to to help out in, in a tough Western conference. And do the Clippers get antsy again in their push to try to help Kawhi and help George get a championship off of LeBron and the Lakers? Um, those are the buyers in my mind. Do, do they go after some of these pieces floating around the sellers, the Pelicans, the Rockets, and um, the Wolves all got to be sellers, try to monetize it, try to get something out of, uh, the small amount of pieces they've have. Well, come on, the Rockets just won a game. They broke their twenty game losing streak. They might turn it around. Here. Yeah, they're a far away, <laughs> far cry, far cry. I had to throw that in there. I was just a uh, sad. I was talking to a friend of our the show. We we're um, back and forth uh, when the uh, the Kansas. Uh, college game uh, turned into a blowout. I, I found myself trying to go back to the Raptors game, but I just couldn't. It was just it was just a hard, tough pill to swallow watching it. And um, somebody had to lose that game, and it was the Raptors. And they're just kind of just falling apart from the seams. It's just amazing that two years removed from from winning a championship, and they just the whole thing is just dismantled. It just really shows you how much Gasol and 
Abaka and obviously Leonard, but it just shows you how much those guys meant to it. And I love Freddie. I love Norm. Uh, Pascal, well, he had two months of fame and he's just done nothing since. And, you know, Lowry's had his time in, in China. It's, it, we need a big blow up to, uh, not to finalize, finish this conversation off with the Raptors. But I think they've got to, to start from uh, start from the bottom. Now we're here. They got to They got to do a big rebuild here now. I agree. I agree. My my fear with this Raptors team is that we've fallen in love with these guys and these pieces. Hundred percent. And we've we've I, I question it all the time. I question it to any start. I question it now when I listen to all the prognosticators, everybody, even our friends of the show, uh Jonesy and, and Eric Smith. Are we overvaluing these pieces? Are we overvaluing Norm? Are we overvaluing Siakam? Are we overvaluing overvaluing Fred? Like, you know, everyone, oh, championship DNA, you can't deny that, and this and that. And it's like, you know, even if we move on from and we we get pieces for Lowry and we we re-sign Fred, are we are we even are we going to be good enough? I don't know. No, I don't. I no, don't know. Like, we're not. We're not. We don't have we we're not and 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 this is going to bring us right into our last segment before we go to break and and that's our little uh, goat segment with top five current NBA players. I'd argue right now we don't have a guy in the top twenty five. Yeah, it's it, I, I'm not gonna not gonna fire back right away with an art like I would definitely listen to that argument because because I'd have to have to agree right with the lay, the way Lowry's playing like he he's not yeah yeah you're probably right. Right. You start looking down the list there. And I mean, and I want to put, uh, you know, kind of Freddie up there and I want to put um, Lowry in there. But no, you just can't. I mean, you start, you know, I'm going to give you my top five in a minute, but I got another seven, eight guys there that are that could arguably be in my top five that aren't. And that's that's 12 right there. And you haven't even talked about guys like a, a Bradley Beal or, you know, guys that I don't have in my top five. Some of these guys that you were just talking about through the trade deadline and that that are, you know, arguably better than what what we have right now in Freddie and, and in, in Kyle, uh, cause the rest of it are, are just, we have two or three other solid starting players in the NBA and that's it. Yeah, you're right. You know, I'm just, I'm sitting here and, and just segue over now into that, that top five. And, and, you know, you're, I look at my honorable mentions, Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, Nikolai Jokic, you know, you're not even mentioning Clay Thompson, who's obviously been hurt for a while, but, you know, there's seven guys right there, and I'm not even on my top five, and and I haven't e- haven't even dug that deep yet. Right? Yeah, yeah, and you're and you just you just said a guy in your thing that I have in my top five, but but I have the same thing. Like I, I'm gonna just because we're gonna we're leading right into this, and I'm gonna just tell you so that I don't have to say in a minute. But I I got these are all the guys that that aren't in my top five right now, and that's that's Booker, LeBron, Kawhi, Curry, the Joker, Durant. And and I'm not. Don't get me wrong. Okay, let's. We're not. I don't want to get in a big argument about you know, LeBron and Kawhi and Curry. Okay, like I, I get it. But right now, I I have five guys that that I think are playing better basketball. That that and they they're more valuable for their team right now on where they are in the standings and where they are. So you're right. There's so many guys there, and the Raptors just just look like they're falling behind real fast. Like I I've never seen a team go so backwards that quick. Yeah. You know, we haven't even mentioned Chris Paul either, right? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, do you want to do you want to start us off since you're hot there and and uh, give us your top five who's the goat NBA players? Sure, sure, I'll do it here, and I've got very little tidbits on them all, but I'll read them out to you. So I'm going to start with number five, and that's James Harden. 
Um, I just love how he's showing all parts of his game. You talked about it about a month ago. He's, you know, their second, second in the, um, in the East right now, he's leading the league in assists over 11 a night, and he's still putting in 25 a night. I got him top five. I think he's doing a fantastic job there. And when that team's healthy, you said it, they might be the team to the beat in the East. Number four, you got to put this guy in. I just wish he had a better supporting cast. You know, 7.6 assists per game, second in the league in scoring, over 30 a night. They're in the playoff mix again, and that's Damian Lillard. Just love the guy. I just wish that he could he could make a deep run in there. Number this three, crazy Damian Lillard. Number nope. four. Yep. Oh, come on, yep. Dutch. I'm telling you. Come on, you look at it. Just look at his stats. I'm telling he's, you, man. The guy's a solid he's player. Clutchy. Okay. And I'm gonna throw another guy. You're gonna you're gonna just argue because you don't even have him in there. Um, and I know he's. You're gonna say band aid or not a band aid, but when he's in there, you start to look at it. He's 30 points a night. He's got the least amount of minutes played in anybody in the top 10 scoring. He's 11 and a half rebounds a night as well. He's got his team first in the East, and that's Joel Embiid. I don't know how you don't have him in your top five. Maybe I got him a bit too high, but I got him in my, uh, I got him in the number three spot. Joel Embiid. Number, number, number two, I, I, I told you I'd almost have him at number one right now, just the way he's playing these last, the last month. And I'm sorry, I went to real current. I don't want to get in that argument again about what current is, but I was just talking, you know, for this case, you know, last basically this season and the last, you know, 25, 30 games, because uh, that's really where I started to look deep in. And that's that's Luka Doncic. He's 29 points a night, nine assists per night. He is rolling. They're just they're in the playoff mix. And I just think the guy's a, a, an absolute superstar. Um, and he's the reason why their team is in the mix. Number one, he's the top dog right now. And that's G man. That's Giannis. Um, 25, 29 points again every night. He's 56% from the field, 11 rebounds, six assists. They're third in the conference, I know, but he's just a superstar. He's topping the top of the shop right now in my books. So if you're going real current, if you're going real current, right? Where yep. the hell's Jimmy Butler? Where's Jimmy Butler, man? The guy, uh, he's done nothing since the Heat's come back. They've been the, one of the best teams in the NBA. He's leading that team. He's got to be there. I had Jimmy Butler at number seven. He should have been in your list if you're going real current in my mind. Yeah, I got I got him in my I got him in my 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 not in top five uh, list. And there's another guy right there. I mean, I didn't focus so much on him, just on just on where they are. But I love Jimmy buckets, and and I I can't argue I can't argue that I don't have him in a top five spot. But I can't argue that he's definitely in that mix with all those guys that I said with Curry and the Joker and. And um, and Devin Booker, Kawhi, etc. All right, I'll give you a pass on this one. I think you're crazy having Lillard in there. I think Lillard's just in around eight to twelve. I got Lillard. Number five. All right. Number five for me. The Human Torch, the Babyface Assassin, seven-time All Star, three-time NBA champion. The guy is still averaging twenty-nine points a night, five rebounds, six assists, and single-handedly leading his Warriors right now to a playoff spot at 22 and 21. That is your greatest shooter of all time, Steph Curry. I wanted him in there. I love him. I, I love him. I, I really do love him. But I just, you know, where they're sitting right now, yeah, I just don't have him in yeah, there. Yeah, I, I, you know what? At 29, 5, and 6, with not a whole lot of help, like he's got Draymond, uh, Draymond Green running around like a crazy man as always, um, not, <laughs> not really doing a whole lot this year. Uh, other than helping on the defensive side. So I think Curry's been absolutely phenomenal this year. 
in uh you know i thought those the warriors they started off hot i thought they would have faded off and and been outside but you know what he's kept them going and uh with uh with just over 30 games to go they've still got a shot here to um to make this the playoffs in the in a tough west number four they do and i really hope that he's got some more in him because i want uh clay thompson back and i'd love to see them make another run down yeah, the road for so. sure number four you talked about it Three-time scoring champ, 2016-17, leading the assists, or leading the league in assists, and he's leading it again this year. Nine-time All-Star, James Harden, as my number four current NBA player. I change, I flop my two three around, and this is where I get into overall player. So we're going to talk about number three on my list, and quietly three-time All-Defensive player, 2019 and 20 Defensive Player of the Year, the Greek Freak. The Alphabet two-time MVP, 29-12-6 and six this year, leading those Milwaukee Bucks to a 28-14 record, four-time All-NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo as my number three current player. Number two, come on, probably the best two-way player in the NBA. You want to talk about, like we did with forwards and, and talking about there's a thing called defense and two-way player. Nobody plays more two-way basketball. Nobody plays more clutch basketball gets the ball in clutch situations that's the board man the claw two-time nba champ six-time all defensive player two-time defensive player of the year two-time finals mvp leading his team to 28 and 16 that is Kawhi leonard Kawhi leonard is my second best current nba player you know what Kawhi doesn't show up every night i'll be the first one to put my hand up and admit that but nobody shows up in more clutch situations. We've seen it live in Toronto when we won the championship. Kawhi Leonard is absolutely clutch, and I got him number two. And number one, how could I not, Dutch? I argued to the cows came home that he was the greatest player of all time against Michael Jordan oh. months oh. ago when we had the when we started this podcast. Seventeen-time All-Star, four-time All-BM, All-NBA, six-time All-Defensive Player of the Year. He's still averaging 27, 7, and 7, four times MVP, four-time final MVP, four-time NBA champion, the king, the Akron Hammer, LBJ, LeBron James, as my best uh, NBA player of all in current times. I'm not I'm not talking to you right now, but I'm not even gonna argue with you. I just I, I I'm sorry. I, I thought you were gonna go kind of off board a little bit without having a Kawhi and a LeBron in there and taking the easy way out with all their stats and all your bullshit rhetoric. But I'm not gonna argue with you. Uh, who won Who won the championship they, last year, Dutch? Yeah, that's that's fine. I'm not. I'm, I, that's fine. Like I said, I'm not gonna argue with you. I just I'm just looking at what I see right now, and I I just think that. You know, I just think these the, my guys are playing at a, at a top level right now. They've got their guys in. I know your guys are too. I know I know where you have them, but it, it doesn't always have to be the 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 easy pick with with uh, with you know Kawhi and and LeBron because of their names and their all of their accolades, et cetera, et cetera. But it is what well, it is. Well, we'll, we'll you know uh, what we're gonna we're gonna see now. LeBron's got a high ankle sprain. We're gonna see. We're just gonna see how valuable he is. Yeah, sure. We are. We are going to see. I mean, we, we saw him hold his own. They didn't uh, they didn't have a drastic record with uh, um, with A.D. gone for as long as he's been gone for. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, sure. They're going to lose some games. Well, you know what? You're, you've got arguably two of the best 
um, in the league that are that are not playing right now. So we'll see how it goes. But um, I, I, I'm surprised. I'm really surprised that you didn't. Uh, and I know you're you, you, sure you'll make fun of it. But I, think about Portland and just think about how bad their team is, really. And they don't have that much more of a supporting cast. And Damian Willard's just been a, a stud there and a, for, for years. And I just think he's playing unbelievable basketball right now. And I hope he makes uh, a just... top five shooter in the NBA. DJ McCollum's done great. Yeah, he is. And he's a, he's a solid shooter. And that's it. That's all he is. He's got one of the best backcourts in the league, man. He's got help there. Well, he's got one help. That's it. But I'm just saying that they, they don't they don't have the rest of the material to, to be a team. Like when the Raptors made their run, when you look at some of these, when you look at Miami Heat, I think Miami Heat, when they made their run, you start to look at those teams, and that's why Portland's there. Now, it goes back to the whole James Harden thing. Oh, can he win a championship? Well, look, now we'll find yeah. out, right? Because James Harden was in the same boat as a, as a, as a Damian Lillard. So it remains to be seen to see what happens with it, but – it's always a good argument. Like I said, I, 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 there's just so many guys to choose yep. from that there's really no right or wrong when it comes to the NBA stuff because it, so much of it is individual performance and points and rebounds, assists, blocks, et cetera. So, um, but I do appreciate your two-way, um, your two-way defender, even though nobody plays defense in the NBA with Kawhi. Um, I can't argue there. Well, great conversation, and, and you nailed it. I think it's a, a great way to end it. Is is that and and what we kind of drove home in, in all of our NBA talk is that the NBA is in as good a position as they've ever been. That you know they've got twelve to fifteen superstars now with the emergence of like guys like you said and Lillard and Booker and and Doncic and Joker and um, that they're in such a great position. So it's it'll be great to see great finish coming down the stretch. Unfortunately. Looks like our Raptors probably won't be involved with it, but um, hey, here's to hoping they can get hot here and figure it out. But um, let's send it off the break. For those that are listening, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ginger and Dutch One. It's uh, coming around to the summertime. There'll be some golf videos coming back up again. So um, enjoy, and we'll catch you on the flip side. The Devil's Advocates of Sports Talk Radio. Real life passion for real life sports. All right, listeners, welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from the Ginger and Dutch podcast. We're going to continue on week two of three of our MLB preview. We've got our MLB specialist, the old boy, fresh off of our fantasy baseball draft. Five hours and 45 minutes. I fell asleep late into the evening on uh, on Saturday night. Old boy, you with us on the line? Hey, pal. How are you, buddy? Yeah, that was a uh, good time on Saturday night, but oh, yeah. Getting too old, buddy. Getting too old. Not we're not what we used to be over here, big guy. Getting too old for that stuff now, right? These nope. Two, these two I, o'clock uh, bedtimes, right? So, oh, crazy. And and you guys were uh, still hammering out the bench part of the uh, of the draft, and I think I literally just fell asleep right in the middle of the Zoom call. Yeah, we gave you a shout out. Figured you fell asleep, and I figured you just get to it after the fact. But yeah, yeah, that's all good, pal. So let's let's start off here. We're we're looking at the central division. We finished up with the East a couple weeks ago on both sides. Now we're gonna uh, move over to the central. 
we talked off air about it, but not a, not a whole lot going on on either side, AL or NL. But let's dig into it. Let's see if we can find something a little deeper here on the AL side. Uh, let's look at the AL Central. We got the Twins, Tigers, Indians, White Sox, and Kansas City. Um, who do you like here, old boy? What do you like, and what do you think about this division? Yeah, no, well, listen, I think it's a uh, it's going to be a two-horse race. I really do. I think, you know, you can make a case for the White Sox being the favorites, not only to win the AL Central, but I think they could also be deemed as legitimate contenders for the World Series this year, right? Um, and then I think, you know, not too far off that, you're looking at Minnesota. And, and you know, they're kind of that slow and steady team, not overly flashy. Um, they're two totally different teams, right? Like that Minnesota Twins team is built around, you know, experience and, you know, guys that have been around doing it for, you know, 10, 15 years in, in pro ball. And the average age of that team is, you know, up and over 30. Whereas, you know, the Sox are a bunch of young, you know, big league stars that have only been in the game for a couple of years, but they got flash and pizzazz and they like the pimp home runs and, you know, high flying baseball. Right. So, you know, definitely two different styles of ball. And I think, you know, after that, you have a couple of teams that are in the middle of rebuilding and then you have a team like the Indians, which, I'm not really quite sure where they are. I think they're probably more pretenders than contenders at this point, but um, especially after the trade in the offseason. But it's going to be a competitive division. I think you may very well see, you know, three teams up and over 80 wins, which would be, you know, pretty good for any any kind of ball club, right? But uh, I definitely do think that it's uh, the White Sox. I think it's their division to lose this year. I really do think so. So. Yeah, I think, you know what, when you, when you start to look at it, you know, let's start with the Tigers. Not a... Not a whole lot going on. You know, A.J. Hinch comes into town. Um, he won't be able to uh, bang the Gatorade uh, the Gatorade bottles and, and uh, containers to, to help out. You know, he's still got Miggy floating around there and, you know, Will Castro. And they, they don't really got a lot of pieces in Detroit yet. They're still trying to get that thing built up. I can't see them much above, you know, 65, 70 wins. And, and yeah, then you, I Go put ahead. them at 70. No, I was going to say, I put them at 70 wins. But, you know, you, you talked about A.J. Hinch, and, yeah, listen, I get it. The whole jokes with the, che- you know, the cheating scandal in Houston, I get it. It's, you know, like it's low-hanging fruit, right? But here's the thing, though, right? I, I do kind of like the fact that that guy, for what it's worth, you know, won a championship with that Astros team, and he was a part of turning around a team that was, you know, at 100 losses for a couple of years until they rebuilt that thing up until eventually they got to be a 100-win team, right? So, you know, the Tigers got some pieces. They, You know, listen, you baseball is like a lot of other sports where it gives you the opportunity to try and, you know, you know, basically acquire these star players through the draft. And they got a couple kids, right? Like, I think that's the big question for me this year is, are we going to see their kids take that next step? Right. They had, you know, four of their top prospects make their debuts last year, like former number one overall pick, you know, Casey Mize was up last year. Uh, another pitcher treats Scooball was like, you know, good, hard, heavy throwing lefty. Um, Third baseman Isaac Prades came up last year, and they had outfielder, outfielder Daz Cameron also come up, right? So, you know, let's see, man. I, I think they're going to probably finish in the basement. I'd be shocked if they finish anywhere outside of that. But, um, you know, it's all about development, right? It's like how quickly can these guys turn things around, and then all of a sudden then you go out there and start complimenting through free agency, right? So, I don't know. It's like a lot of these teams, you're just kind of waiting and seeing, hoping, you know, you hit it on a couple of those picks, right? And you have a couple of franchise guys start building around, so... Yeah, do you see these pieces starting up in the big leagues right away, or do you think they're going to let some of the, you know, the guys that have been around the scoops and the the Wilson Ramirez, like these types of players, you know, Castro and you know Julio Terran, I know's on the on the staff, and, and yeah, like these types of players, you know, start out and and lose a few games, and then 
you know, then bring up some of these pieces that you talk about. Yeah, like I think you, you probably expect to see at least one, if not both, of Mize and Scooball make the, you know, the starting five rotation. They're pretty thin, you know, with their starting staff. Um, you know, later in the year, you may see, you know, another big right-hand pitcher they have, Matt Manning. He may come up as well, too. Um, I think the one that everyone's kind of got their eyes on is this kid, Riley Green, you know, this big outfielder they have who seems like, you know, a pretty toolsy kind of five-tool type kid that, you know, may come up. And But I think that's the whole thing, right, is that these pitchers, like, you know, how many times we see pitchers? Pitchers are so hard to project. I think, like, you look at a lot of these teams, and a lot of these teams have – these really young, exciting position players. It's like, can you hit on those arms? It's really tough. A lot of these guys come out of high school. They're coming out of like, you know, one or two years of university ball. And then it's just, it's different. You know, when, when those guys are, they have that kind of arm and they're throwing a hundred miles an hour, they can just overpower those kids. And all of a sudden you get to the bigs and you got to have, it's not just about, you know, just straight gas. It's you have other secondary pitches you can throw and, you know, control and just learn how to pitch. Right. I think it's like, uh, you know, it's like, playing quarterback in the NFL or playing defense in the National Hockey League. There's often like that learning curve where you don't often come in right off the bat and and start lighting things up. So, you know, a lot of their big prospects they have in Detroit are, are pitching, right? They have like three kids that are like arguably could be like, you know, kind of one or two guys in a, in a rotation. But it's like with the Jays are seeing with Nate Pierce, like it often, it's not linear, right? It often doesn't happen in a straight line. Sometimes these guys are going to take a year off before they can start, you know, moving, you know, moving upwards again, right? So, um, I hope they turn things around because Detroit's one of those proud ball clubs. Like, you know, like, listen, man, for most of like, you know, early 2000s, they were right there, right? Like, yep. they were, you know, they're winning the division. They had all that big talent. They're competing for World Series with Verlander and Scherzer and Miggy and the whole bunch of them, right? But so it's tough seeing them in the toilet because look at Detroit, man. Like, if you're a Detroit fan right now, like, I know you guys had uh, that, that, that play-by-play guy or that, that news reporter out of Detroit not too long ago, but yep. think about it, man. Wings, Pistons, Lions, Tigers, all four of them could arguably finish in the basement of their divisions. Like, they're all, like, you know, rebuilding, and, like, things are pretty sour in Motown right now, buddy. So, you know, for us as well, too, as, you know, making a ball trip down, I sure hell hell's hope they get a, you know, better product in the field in the next little bit. You know what I mean? So, but. Uh, no, for sure. And, and it's a great little insight there on, uh, on you know, a deeper dive on some of these you know, unknown stars that we, that, you know, most of our listeners don't know. And it's, it's great, uh, great to provide that. I love it. old boy. Um, let's switch over to, to the Indians. We got Terry Francona. They lost Lindor. Um, I don't, I see them right in around that 80 win mark that you talked about. I just don't see it enough, enough of the pieces there to really push them over the top um, of the teams. Like you talked about in the twins and, and the white Sox. Yeah, listen, man, I think the big question now, if you're an Indians fan, if you're looking at that squad is, you know, is that fire sale over, right? Like, you know, they trade away their franchise and best player in Frankie Lindor, as well as, you know, Carlos Carrasco, one of their key starting pitchers. And I think now it's, you know, what do you do with Jose Ramirez, right? The other star player they have still on the lineup, you know, third baseman, he's under control for another three more seasons at a relatively affordable rate. So what do you do with him, right? Because if you're all in now and rebuilding this thing, then, you know, do you ship him out and also bring in another haul for him as well too, right? So you got to like their staff. They got a great young staff, man. Like, you know, Shane Bieber and, and Zach yep. Zach and, you know, Tristan McKenzie, like that one, two, three of like young kids with like high upside. I think the big thing for me and, you know, it's their position players. Like who are their big bats, right? Like they lost Carlos Santana in free agency to the Royals. 
Um, you know, they brought in Eddie Rosario from Minnesota, who was non-tendered by the Twins. But I just looked through that lineup, man. And I don't know how they're going to score runs, right? So if they're going to get 80 wins this year, it's all off the back of that young staff, right? Because they're just so dynamic. And they can keep them in like, you know, two, three, four runs a game. And you know, hopefully then they can try and squeak out a couple wins here or there. But they're definitely not going to be blowing anyone out with their bats. They got nothing up front, nothing. So love it, love it, and, and you know what? It, th- but those are the ball games that Francona can co- that can coach. You know, C- can he not steal you five to seven games there just by yeah you know, making guys perform better than what they truly are and and just properly managing the pen, the staff, the team, putting guys in good situations where they can be successful. Hundred percent, and I think that's the thing is like you said, you know, can they get to you know, slightly above 500 ball. Yeah, I think they could probably get to, like, somewhere between, like, you know, 80, 84 wins. Um, but that's just not going to be enough to win the division. Is it enough to maybe be in the conversation for the wild card? Maybe, right? Like, um, they're a good ball club. And, like, you know, pitching and defense and, you know, playing small ball can get you so far with good managing. But I just feel like there's a there is a significant gap between the top two in this division and where these twins sit. I wouldn't even be surprised if well, often, you know, I think it's going to depend on, on kind of what we see at KC this year, but it's possible that you can even see them finish in fourth in the division this year. It's not totally out of the realm of possibility, especially if you see a step back from some of those young arms, you know what I mean? So, yeah. And, and you know, let's, let's transition over to another, another team that's probably going to be in that three, four spot, but I think can be a little bit of a sleeper and that's Mike Matheny and these Kansas city Royals, you know, he's still got Salvador Perez, Carlos Santana's there, Hunter Dozier's there, Whit Merrifield. They got Benintendi trying to kind of re-salvage his career. They do got some pieces. Um, can this team push into a little bit of a wild card spot or get back to where they were um, a few years ago? Listen, man, I, I thought they had a really good offseason. Like, you know, I looked at that squad and, you know, you mentioned the Carlos Santana signing. You know, there's a professional hitter, you know, a guy who knows how to, you know, work a count and draw walks. And he's a much needed bat in the middle of that order, right? And he's, I think he's going to be a real helpful influence on some of these young Royals hitters as they continue to develop. Um, I thought the Benintendi acquisition was brilliant. Like, I loved it. You know, the kid's still just 26 years old. You know, this guy's, a, he's going to profile as, you know, that 20 and 20 type, you know, in terms of home runs and stolen bases with, you know, above average defense on left field. I think the Sox gave up on him too soon. You know, I think that guy's going to fit in, you know, in a, in a market like KC where, yeah, it's a good ball market, but it's not playing in Beantown, right? So, like, he's going to be able to step away from the spotlight and just be, like, a nice contributing piece to that team rather than having to be, you know, one of the focal points and, you know, one of the biggest markets in, in, in the U.S., right? So, um, listen, man, I think, I think they got a shot. I think, you know, they have a young developing rotation, and, you know, I love those two acquisitions. I wouldn't be surprised if the Twins finished in third place in the Central this year. I think the big question for me is, are these pitching prospects they've been acquiring over the last couple of years, are they going to start coming in and start contributing this year? Because that's where I think they severely lack behind the White Sox and Twins and Indians is their staff, I think, is very clearly the fourth best staff of those four. So if they can get some of those young guys to take a step, you know, like I think the one guy I have my eye on is someone like, you know, Brady Singer, right? Um, I know a lot of our listeners probably don't watch or listen like College World Series baseball, but that kid a couple of years back won a national championship with the Florida Gators, um, was one of the best 
pitchers in you know in college ball a couple of years back and was a first round pick and so you know he's been now in the system for about four or five years and you know can he now take that step now and start you know being a kind of a top of the rotation type guy right and otherwise I just I have a hard time thinking they're going to be able to compete with those other big three if they can't get something out of that staff so um, but I like it though they're moving in the right direction I think they're definitely rebuilding I can see them kind of ending up around I don't know like 75 to 80 wins like where do you see them kind of finishing the year yeah like, I, I... I had him at 77. I had him pegged in at 77, just just below the Indians. But, you know, I, I took take a second look here at some of my notes, and I'm looking there, and I'm like, you know what? There are some pieces there. They could make a little run and surprise some teams. So, uh, like you said, wouldn't be surprised if they pushed up above, you know, 81, 82 wins at all. Yeah, 100%. What's, what's going to allow the Twins, old boy, to, to take down the White Sox? Because, to me, the White Sox – top to bottom got the best lineup i got them pegged at you know 97 98 wins yeah how yeah. can the twins how can the twins beat this white Sox squad and take down this al central division i it comes down to two things for me um the first one is josh Donaldson, right they need josh Donaldson to be healthy this year um you know, listen, this team, the lineup isn't as deep as they were in recent years, right? We talked about how they non-tendered Eddie Rosario. Um, I initially thought they were going to give that stud rookie. They have Alex Kroloff a shot at that outfield spot. But I saw earlier today that they they basically are sending him down to, you know, rookie camp now. And he's not going to break, you know, April on the, on the major league club. So, you know, listen, Donaldson's 35, you know, and his defense did dip a little bit last year. I know it was a little bit of a small sample size given the shortened season, but they're going to need – not 2015 MVP type production out of Josh, but they're going to need, you know, a couple of years back when he's fully healthy, 2019, they're going to need to see like a little bit of 2019 Josh Johnson in the middle of that lineup. At least his bat. If the defense slips a bit, so be it. But the bat's got to be there. You need at least 30 bombs and, and 100 RBIs out of that guy. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to pair that up with with Big Sano and, you know, and Nelson Cruz and, and some yeah. of the other spots in there with, you know, you got the speedy Byron Buxton and, the, the pros pro and Kepler. So, you, you know, you, you pair that in there with the three boppers and, and some pros in there and, and it can be a little bit of a dangerous lineup, right? Yeah. And, and the, my other thing I was thinking about was Brios, right. On, on the, on the pitching side, like in terms of the rotation, like Jose Brios needs to continue to develop and be like a perennial ace because, you know, the kid's 26 years old and so far he's had a you know pretty solid career, right? Like yep. you have a career ERA under four, you know, a couple all-star nods in four seasons but I think he struggled with some of his consistency. You know, last year, he only had four quality starts in 12 outings. And that whip's been trending higher over the last couple of seasons. I think it's going to be really important for the Twins that he takes a major step this year and is a legitimate ace. Like, is a number one where he's getting the ball every five games and he's just shutting it down. Like, you know, going deep in ball games, you know, two runs or less. Quality starts every time he comes out. Because, like I said, that lineup isn't as deep. They're definitely not as deep as what the White Sox can throw out there. So they're going to need to be, again, you know, they're going to need to manage these games. I like what they did in the back end of that pen. Like, I don't know if you saw that or not, but, you know, they kind of quietly made a couple little tweaks in the yeah, back end did. of that pen. You know, they brought in Alex Colm from, yep. you know, the White the White Sox and the former Angels closer, Hansel Robles as well, too. So, you know, they're doing all the right things. Um, they're just going to need a couple things to break their way. I could see them ending up, you know, in that – you know, 85 to 90 wins based on, you know, a couple of things in moving in their favor. Like, where do you, where do you see them kind of ending up this year? Yeah, I, I had them at 87 wins, old boy. And and I like what you touched on with Barrios there because I do think 
you know, two through five, they are pretty steady. I know Pineda is a bit of a question mark, but, you know, you got half, you got Kenta Meda, you, you know, put Schum- slot Schumacher in at your five spot and you've got a fairly decent staff and then you've got a real good staff if Burial takes that step. Um, I did have some question marks in the bullpen still, but you know what? I, I think overall they're still the second best team in this, um, in this division it's like you said, they're going to need a couple things to break their way to really, um, you know, push the White Sox to the brink. They may even need a couple injuries on the White Sox, to be honest, to yeah overtake them. Uh, that White Sox lineup, talk to us about it. Talk to us about some of the big boppers and, and how good this lineup uh, can be. I just love that young core, man. You know, like this just shows you like for all these teams out there that are out there trying to rebuild and trying to go through about things the right way. Like this is what it looks like if you hit it right. Right. You got, you know, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, uh, Tim Anderson, Yo Moncada. They got Julito kind of anchoring that staff. Um, I think the front office in Chicago deserves a lot of credit for the last couple seasons, you know, opening up their checkbook and kind of augmenting that group of young stars with some veterans that are capable of taking this team you know, not just from winning the division, but going all the way. So, you know, I know you and Johnny Mo uh, talked about this a couple couple weeks back when it was first, you know, brought up. But what do you think about Tony LaRusso back in Chicago? The guy's seventy six years <laughs> old, man. Like that was going to be my next question. You, you you took the words out of my mouth. Is how's he going to relate to this team, and how's he going to manage? Because you you start to break down from from Baldelli to you know Hinch to Francona to Matheny. Like this is you know, whether, whether the stars are in this, this, this division or, you know, this is a, a great division, non-great division, what, throw that all out the window. One thing I do know is that this may be one of the best coach divisions in all of baseball. Yeah. So, great point. you know, is Tony La Russa going to be able to keep up with some of these managers? Uh, you know, and I know he's got Miguel Cairo there to, to help along a little bit, but uh, I just... I just I don't. don't I just don't know. I don't know. And and they've got a great staff with you know Lucas Giolato going number one, Keuchel and Lance Lynn. So they've they've got some depth as well. But and Liam Hendricks, if, if I think is going to be the closer there, no. Oh yeah, no. He's you know he's already he's locked in, right? He's he's there for sure. You know they got kids like you know Aaron Bummer and some other young real electric arms like Michael Kopech. They got so yep. many young electric arms in the back end of that pen, but. You know, Hendrick's definitely going to be the guy. But, yeah, you know, the thing with Tony, you know, it's funny. I didn't realize this, but first of all, like, I didn't realize that he was there ages ago. Like, when I think of La Russa, I think Oakland, I think St. Louis. I didn't know that he was back there back in the, you know, early 80s and whatnot, right? And not only that, but, you know, you start reading more and you're hearing about Tony and why he came out of retirement to take on this job. And I didn't also realize that if he wins a World Series with Chicago, he'd be the first manager in history to win a World Series with three different teams, right? So, like there's a small part of me that wonders like selfishly because like, you thinking to himself like this team's just so fucking good i just gotta just basically put the lineup card every day and just get the hell out of the way let the boys do their thing right but you know listen he was with that oakland team you know that early 80s or that so that late 80s early 90s oakland team with the bash brothers like they're totally full of shit too and like big bull personalities you know big mac and canseco and ricky and all those guys right like you know dave stewart and act like they had a bunch of big personalities there too and he managed to control them and get the most out of them as well too so i'm gonna give the old guy some credit and i think he's gonna be able to you know make it work i just you know at 76 years old given this covid situation like i just personally i wouldn't want to be in it i'm sure by the time he's ready to go he'll be fully vaccinated and ready to go but just it's the energy level too right this is a 162 game season like 76 year old manager like are you able to kind of you know 
you will you know last and give me give me a full 162 it's just i don't know i you can't deny the pedigree but it's an interesting hire for sure because you know rick Renderio didn't he win coach of the year last year yeah that's right. Can, right? They, they, they did they pulled the old toronto raptors right right dwayne casey coach of the year and and see you later no you're, you're right he's gonna need to channel his inner phil jackson manage these um manage these personalities and that'll be the big question mark is, is, you know, how do you motivate these boys in the dog days of summer at 76 yeah. years old when, when they don't want to come to the ballpark and they're struggling and they're going through a slump or whatever it may be. And because, and, and you know, we all go through it and even, even major league baseball players do too. Um, how's he going to motivate them and how's he going to connect with them and get these guys over the hump uh, when the going gets tough. So it'll be interesting to see, no doubt. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I, I listen, and you touched on it, but I love the Lance Wing, the Lance Lynn acquisition as well, too, uh, from Texas. Like, it's just, you know, there's a proven double digit winner. A guy's a workhorse, going to go deep into games. I think, you know, heading into October with a, you know, front three of Giolito, Keiko, and Lance Lynn, you know, you got three guys now that are ready to take the ball and, and, and get it done in October. So I think for them now, it's not just about the Central. Like, they got to get to the World Series this year. I think they'd be, they would consider this year to be, you know, a little bit of a disappointment given the talent they have on that squad for sure. So love it. Well, that wraps a bow tie on the AL central. Let's uh, switch over now to the NL central. Um, I kind of thought a very similar division to the AL side uh, in terms of, you know, one or two teams really standing out of the top. And then, you know, the other three teams kind of just hanging around one team rebuilding and the other two kind of in that mediocrity zone. Um, I had it shaping up. I think, from top to bottom, I think the Cardinals are the best team in the division. I think the Cubbies will be, you know, not too far off in a close second. Then you got the Brew Crew, Cincinnati, very similar squads. And then uh, the Pirates in a very similar situation as the Tigers were in the AL side, uh, kind of rebuilding, trying to get things going. Uh, they got Key Brian Hayes, the, the big star to talk about. But uh, give us your thoughts on the NL Central. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, I see the cards as being the class of the division, um, especially, you know, with the Arenado acquisition, which we can dive into in a little bit more. But, um, you know, after that, I don't know. I kind of see it. And it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes up because I I'm had a really hard time picking between the Brew Crew, the Reds, and the Cubbies because they all bring different things to the table. And I think the thing that concerns me the most is I'm just not fully sure that the Cubbies are all in this year. I know they have that young core and, you know, and maybe Jed Hoyer's going to say, listen, we still have, you know, the Rizzos, the Bryants, the Baez, the Contreras on contract for at least one more year. Like, let's let's go for it. Right. Let's see how let's see how things shake up. But, you know, um, I'm just not fully convinced of that squad. And I think, yeah, you can't. I think there's you know, no doubt in my mind that the Pirates, if they get above 60 wins, I'd be shocked. I think they are by far and away, not just in the division, but I think in Major League Baseball in general, they're the clear favorites for the, that first overall pick in the 2022 draft. I just, I have no, I, I can't see them getting any more than that. Like I just, that lineup and that staff is just super, super thin. So, but uh, yeah. yeah. I had them at, at the uh, ever elusive over triple digits, 100 losses. Uh, I think I had them at 102 for well, loss. I just, you know, if you're, if you're a Pirates fan, I don't even know what you have to get excited about like you know listen like the front office spent the entire offseason bolstering their farm system by trading away your best position player in josh bell to the nats and then they traded away their two best starting pitchers you know they sent joel musgrove to the padres and tie on although he was hurt still like pedigree alone like the guy is you know one of their best pitchers they sent him to the yankees so you know you mentioned Cabrian hayes like 
other than him, I don't know what, what else are you getting excited about, right? Other than just sit, sitting back and waiting and hoping your team, you know, craps a bet all year so you can get the first overall pick, right? Because there's a bunch of big boys, you know, there's like, you know, I'm not sure how much you follow college ball, but like, you know, there's a couple of kids in this 2021 draft that are Vanderbilt, like actually Al Leiter's, I think it's Al Leiter's kid, Jack Leiter. I don't know if he's heard that name before, but like, yep. guy's a stud. They think he threw a no hitter the other day or whatnot. I think I saw something like that on the news about him, but you know, like there's some big impactful arms there. Um, and we'll see how things shape up. But, you know, a team like Pittsburgh, a team that's constantly going to be, you know, on the bottom half of Major League Baseball payrolls, like, that's the only way you're getting franchise-altering superstars to, to, to land in your lap is if you just – you crap the bed and you, you go through a big rebuild, right? So, yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt that, that the Pirates will be at the bottom, uh, bottom of this division. Let's start with the Reds. Interesting um... – with with the Reds at do they got any chance of being a sleeper you know Votto's coming back from from COVID here 19 uh you know India's at second base Moustakis is at third uh sounds like Suarez is going to get the uh the start after the switch over to shortstop you know decent outfield in Castellanos uh the you know Luis Castillo is going to take the ball on opening day here um any chance of them being a sleeper and and getting you know 85 88 90 wins or do you see this team more in that you know, 75 to 84 spot. I kind of saw them finishing just like so slightly above 500, like in that 82 to 83, you know, win, win spot. Um, the big question for me is, you know, how do you replace that production you got from Trevor Bauer last year, right? Because I think, you know, when the Reds made the playoffs last year, it was really off the strength of that starting rotation. So, you know, they still have a couple of real nice pieces at the top with Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo still there. Um, but they're definitely not as feared without, Bauer there this year so who's going to step up in 2021 so like this Tyler Miley kid right you know he had a real nice breakout season for them last year so if he can make that step and be that like a legitimate number two number three and really solidify that and extend the depth of that starting rotation like they had the bats to hang around I actually like their lineup I think you know you mentioned the Eugenio Suarez experiment at short like that was the one thing this offseason that you know their top priority was trying to find a shortstop given that they didn't actually have a full-time shortstop on their 40-man roster right so there was all these rumors going around back in you know january and feb about them asking around about you know glaber torres in new york and you know willie adams in um in tampa and ahmed rosario in cleveland and they even tried signing like marcus simeon and gregorius and, and Dreldon simmons and they were unable to do so so Let's see how that experiment goes. But I think they're going to be there. I think that Reds team, they uh, they got a nice-looking staff in that lineup. They got a bunch of nice little pieces in there. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens. Because I think they're that one team in that division where if they start off slow and come April and May, they're already like 10 games back or whatnot. They get off to like a real slow start. I wouldn't be surprised if come the end of June – there's all these rumors swirling around about them looking to put some of these guys on the market and start looking, you know, to move the Sunny Grays, the Castillos, Suarez, Castellanos, Mustakis types, because, you know, there was rumors that they were, you know, involved in some discussions in the winter here, looking to move some of these guys. So, you know, they're, they're one of those teams that I think could go from being a pretender or sorry, being a contender to being a pretender really quickly if things don't get off to a good start. Right. So. Yeah. Um, your classic small market team too, right. Where, yeah. you know, um, you know, if we're not going to win and, and be fully competitive and be, you know, a playoff team or deep into the playoffs, to be able to make a run, um, you know, let's start to monetize some of the pieces. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Like, I think it's a coin flip though. I really do. I think that you could see one of either Milwaukee them or, or the Cubbies make a little bit of a break and, and, 
and be biting at uh, the cards heels here, but uh, they definitely have the pieces. I think they just need a couple guys to step up and, and take a step this year for sure. So what's uh, how, how's Milwaukee going to take the, take the step old boy, you know, you've got decent with Colton Wong and Travis Shaw on the, on the infield, a little bit of a, some question marks at shortstop, but to me, you've got a pretty deep outfield with Jackie Bradley, uh, Bradley jr. Christian Yelich and, you know, uh, Kane, if you can get his legs under him here, you got Billy McKinney, uh, Garcia, um, still floating around. So they've got a deep outfield. Um, looks like they're going to start with a, a six man rotation to start the year to stretch some of these, these arms out some question marks in the bullpen, but, uh, how do you feel about the brew crew? Can they push here to, to get a division title? I think for me, it all comes down to Yelich, right? If, if Yelich is going to bounce back to where he was in, in 18 and 19, it's really hard. Like I'm having a really hard time looking at what happened last year and saying, you know, was it a circumstantial, like, you know, like for a lot of times in baseball, like guys are going through ebbs and flows where, you know, they have like a, you know, a month where they're a little bit cold and they kind of come back. Right. But with it only being a 60 game season last year, that a lot of these guys weren't afforded that luxury of like, if you're fighting through an injury or maybe you had like a little bit of a, you know, you, know, you got exposed to COVID and were on the DL for a bit fighting that off. Like, you know, you didn't have a lot of time to get back and then, you know, with timing and whatnot, getting up to speed again, like, you know, there's a reason why baseball has like, you know, a month, month and a half long, you know, spring training. So these guys can get their timing down and get everything all ironed out. So that way they can be, you know, kind of effective as of, you know, day one. Right. So I think if, you know, Yelich was, you know, MVP in 18, he was a runner up in 19. He had a little bit of a slow year last year and never was never able to fully recover. If he comes back to being an MVP caliber type middle of the lineup bat, they got a shot because, you know, I like that seven, eight, nine, slot you know it'll be interesting to see if freddie peralta hangs around the pen or if they have him stretch out to be like you know more of like a longer relief for a six starter but that peralta devin williams josh Hader, you know one two three in the back end is that's nasty man those guys are all like you know high strikeout potential like just like big alpha dogs who can come in there and shut it right down so and then you got you know brandon woodruff and colvin you know colvin burns at the top there um you know, anchoring that rotation. I, I think when I when I mocked this out, I had the Brew Crew finishing in second. I just thought there was enough there that I think you know they had a, a, enough things in their favor, and, I, and I'm I'm pretty bullish on on Yelich bouncing back. And I think that's the key is Yelich. If he bounces back, they're going to be there, and they may finish like around 85 wins and be like a couple games back of the cards, kind of thing. So, so you got the Cubbies finishing Cubbies finishing third. I got Cubbies. I got Cubbies fourth. I I just I'm not fully convinced on that Cubbies team. I have a bad feeling that why not? Um, I just you know what man. I, you know look at look at Jed Hoy. So first of all, the whole thing with Theo Epstein is really interesting because that guy's so bright, and I know how this guy functions in a sense that if things like I, I we talked about it you know off air, but I thought like him leaving the way he did and him resigning and. In, in, a, in a puff of smoke and then you know shortly after you saw Jed Hoyer who got promoted from you know being his right hand guy to then leading the show you know his first move was what did he do he, he got rid and he dealt you know you Darvish the Padres like here's a guy that was like an NL Cy Young award winner runner up you know the ace of that staff and then you deal him like that's the first move you do is deal him like I'm sorry if you if you plan on winning ball games and trying to go for the division you're not dealing your ace right so like that's the thing that got me a little bit concerned. Then you hear all these rumors about them, you know, listing the trade offers for Rizzo and Bryant and Baez. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, what's the chance? Like, what's the chance that they can get this thing straightened out here? I, I just think that the Cubbies are, unfortunately, 
I think that it's going to be a little bit of a, a rebuild for these guys. And they may end up having to get rid of a, a, a bunch of these guys and, um, and try and rebuild on the fly. And it's going to be hard because, you know, Cubbies are a proud, proud franchise, man. And it's not too long ago they're winning World Series. But I just – I don't like their staff either. Like, look at that pitching staff. Like, other than Kyle Hendricks, who do you like there? You know, they brought back Arietta, but he's not what he used to be. Like, doesn't that staff worry a little bit? I'm not fully yeah, – I'm not, I'm not convinced. Like, not when you look at you know, what the other three teams around you have. Like, look at that Cincy staff and look at that Brewer staff and then compare it to what they have in Chicago. I'm just not fully convinced of it, right? So, yeah, I actually think – I see them finishing it with under 80 wins, like probably 70, 79 wins this year, to be honest with you. So. Yeah, and, and and you know how things can get in some of these hot markets, right? Like you, you got those trade rumors already circulating, and, you know, the Rizzles and the Bryants and the Bias, they come out, they, they don't have their timing down, and they don't perform in the first month or two. You know, what's the message? What's the message from the media? What's the message that these guys are hearing? Um, it's just going to ramp it up and get hotter and hotter as that season goes on, and and. You're right. It just adds even more pressure to it. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. If, if somebody gets dealt the Cardinals, are they in the same spot as, uh, as the White Sox? Is, is this a team that's, you know, not, not supposed to be looking at the central, but looking at the world series here, you know, you're looking at DeJong, Arenado, Carpenter, Edmund, Goldschmidt, uh, even Yadimir Molina, you know, with a staff of Flaherty, Wainwright, Kim, uh, Andrew Miller coming out of the pen. Like, is this not a World Series type of lineup here? I I think the problem is, man, is that in that NL, like, where do they stack up compared to the Braves, the Mets, the Padres, the Dodgers? Like, I think it's really, I think it's really clear and easy for them to win that division. I just have a really hard time saying, okay, now how do you line up with those big boys? Because I think, you know, there's question marks with that rotation. Like, yeah, you got Flaherty anchoring that staff, and that kid's a stud. But after that, there's a couple guys that need to take a step for you, right? And and the lineup. Like, I like that lineup. But I think, you know, it's, you know, Arenado. Listen, Arenado's a fabulous player. They got, that 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 will go down as being one of the arguably the biggest heists in Major League Baseball history, right? You mean tell me that you get a guy like that, right? You know, the best third baseman in baseball. A guy who's won, you know, gold gloves every year that he's been in the majors, eight consecutive years in a row, right? You know, the guy's hit 37 or more home runs five times, and he's driven 110 RBIs per season from 2015 to 2019. You know, five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger. The guy is an absolute stud, and he's going to – I just love seeing good ball players land in great baseball markets because they're going to cherish this guy. They're going to love him. They're going to fucking shower this guy. Like the, the St. Louis is like arguably one of the best baseball markets in, in the States and they love their ball team. And they love their ball players. Like he's going to be put in the spotlight. You're going to be seeing way more of this guy in primetime ball. Like I'm really excited about him landing in St. Louis. I just don't know, man, because like, I just don't think they're there. I think they're a really good ball club. That's going to win like 88 to 90 games, but I just don't think they're in that upper echelon of like, you know, knocking at the door of a hundred win seasons, which I think what you could see from, you know, a Braves, a Dodgers, a Padres. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, just a step, sure. just one step behind in my eyes. So love it, old boy. Love it. Um, for all of our listeners out there, this is week two of our MLB preview. We'll be back next week with the old boy to end up with the AL and the NL West. And we'll talk about those Dodgers and we'll talk about those Padres next week to finish up before we hit uh, opening day in the MLB season. Old boy, as always, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. 
Any uh, any closing remarks before we let you go? Yeah, listen, I'll just say it's terrible what happened today in Toronto. You saw obviously Kirby Yates, right, looking like potential Tommy John on that right elbow, which is this a disaster. Um, you know, everyone was so excited to see this guy come in and anchor that back pen and kind of be a nice eight, nine inning tandem with Romano. And it's just, oh boy. And then you're hearing these rumors now about, you know, Springer having like a little bit of a, you know, a tweaked oblique and whatnot. And, you know, Robbie Ray falling down the stairs, holding this kid. <laughs> it's just like, you got to be kidding me. Why can't we have nice things in Toronto? Like, what the hell's wrong with this, right? Like, you know, I feel like, you know, everyone was so excited. Here I was two weeks back talking about how the Jays are going to win the division. I was so jacked up. And now all of a sudden you lose your closer. You know, your star free agent acquisition is, you know, on the DL now. And may not, you know, I, I'm sure he's hopefully going to have things worked out in time for, you know, April 1. But, you know, you never know with obliques, right? Like, you know, that that's like, you know, you're a golfer. That's like the most important muscle in that swing yep. plane, right? So, and then you got, you know, like, guy who was having an amazing spring training was hitting like high nineties with his fastball. Everyone was getting excited with him stepping up and being potentially like a number two in that staff. And, and now you got to worry about, you know, it's like, it's just so fluky, right? Like, fuck man. It's just like, why can't we have nice things in Toronto, man? It's just, I don't know, buddy. I, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Things are going to work out, but just, I saw those three headlines and I was like, you gotta be shitting me, man. Like fuck of all things. Right. But yeah, yeah it's all good. Don't lose the faith. It's still early. It's only going to be, uh, they'll all be, back ray will be back and spring will be back by may and they'll be able to turn the turn the corner on it so i know uh yeah. obviously yates is out for the season but don't lose your faith i love it so thanks for uh thanks for joining us again great uh preview there on the al and nl central we'll finish it off next week for those listening make sure you're following us on facebook instagram and twitter at ginger and dutch one and thanks for tuning in to the ginger and dutch podcast I'm Ginger, and I'm Dutch.